This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. From Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way, we bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at this is episode 483. Cecil, yeah. we are back in the clubhouse, buddy. Back Took a couple of weeks off. Back you guys didn't notice because we're not lazy. Back in the class. <laughs> and later today on this show, we are going to have Dave Warnock. Um, he is an ex-evangelical pastor uh, who's turned atheist, and he has an, a, a very interesting story to tell. We had a great conversation with him. We're going to be playing a little later for you. A really interesting guy. Yeah. Like, really interesting Especially guy. for being charismatic evangelical. <laughs> Unlike <laughs> most our guests. You know, I just, oh, you know you're... Uh, it's you, yeah. right? Listen, that's Thomas you. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that, that's the funny thing about Hitler. Just let me finish. Let, let me work my way. Let me work my way through this idea. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and start with oh, the New York Jesus Times story, Christ. buddy. Here we go. Can we, first off, I yep. just want to say, mm-hmm. does Steve King look like an Oompa Loompa or do Oompa Loompas look like Steve King? That Which is, is it's a chicken question. and egg question I have for you that I can't answer. The only way to know for sure is to give him an opportunity to train squirrels and see how successful he is. If he can corral somebody who has blown up like a balloon, <laughs> then yeah, I guess so. I want to hear his sing song singing. Oh. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I would love to hear a racist uh, Oompa Loompa Steve King song. I bet you he does a sing song when he makes fun of Japanese people. <laughs> Like the like the fucking lady in the trap, like we are Siamese. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just so oh, racist. It's super racist. You watch those old Disney movies, all of them. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah. How the fuck did you get? You're away not allowed with to say this? that though, because everybody gets super butthurt when you when you look back when you look back on your with your modern eye at anything that is even from the '80s. Sometimes you look back on stuff like that, and you're like, whoa. Day rape. That's crazy. Yeah, but people, people, will like, get, people get upset. They're like, oh, that's the fucking most gushy, stupid shit I've ever heard. And I'm like, no, it's fucking day rape. Like, yeah. we don't uh, we don't condone that anymore. And they chuckled about it in the 80s. It's like, when you watch like old kids cartoons, they're incredibly racist. Oh my racist. God, yeah. They're like, they're like jaw-droppingly racist. Tom and Jerry, when, know, whenever he- Mammy. When, the Mammy <laughs> thing, whenever he gets like, whenever he gets like, like he'll get black-faced all the time. Yeah. All the time. And then like that, like that, that, that uh, Mexican uh, mouse that comes yeah, out. Yeah, Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh my God. Oh my like, God. What the fuck? It's one of those <laughs> things where like, when you watch it now, you're looking over your shoulder. Like, like you want to hit like, Close down, yeah, look close, close down. Hey, no, I was just watching. I was just watching human centipede porn. <laughs> that's better. Yeah. That's better than watching a racist cartoon. <laughs> it is astonishing, yeah. but it's still for as bad or as, as like bad as that stuff is. As Dumbo yeah. and like all, it's not as bad as Steve King. 
How is this guy still a representative? I what don't is get happening? it. I don't get it. I figure, I figure at one point, they're just going to make him, they're going to, so he's going to travel back to Iowa eventually. They're going to strip him down to his underwear <laughs> and then they're just going to force him to walk into the cornfield <laughs> forever. Like he's going to have to walk into the endless cornfield, like the end of an apocalyptic movie where they have to like walk off. The corn like folds yeah, exactly. around him and he's just gone. Yeah, that's what I think is going to have to happen to him. I think that's how he leaves office is that he just, <laughs> they force him into an apocalyptic walk into the that corn. Malachi comes out yeah. and takes his hand to guide him along. Like, come be our leader. All those little corn goblins are <laughs> bouncing around next to him like, hey, 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 hey. Uh, so holy shit, this is, this is a New York Times headline and I'm going to read what he actually said, right? Steve King asked if there would be any population left without rape and incest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you know what, buddy? He's just asking okay. questions. <laughs> he sure is. Woo. He sure is, Tom. Holy shit. All right, so um, let's make sure that we get let's make sure that we get his words right. So let's find the quote. He says, and this is uh, a video published in the Des Moines Register, uh, which hilariously, by the way, uh, you have to pay for as yeah. if you're going to go back to the Des Moines Register more than once in your over fucking life to be yeah. like, oh, I'm glad I subscribed to the Des Moines <laughs> Register. Now I can follow the bake sale yeah. news. Now I know where the farmers market is. <laughs> Oh, the Johnsons are having an estate sale. I thought Estelle looked a little willowy. What the fuck? The Des Moines. Get over your fucking self, Des Moines Register. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. All right, so here's what Steve King said out loud oh, and God. not this just in amazing. his head. This is amazing. What if we went back through all the family? This is him, by the way. Is this him. is him. This is I don't want quote, this to be attributed quote. to Quote. All right. Quote. Quote. What if we went back through all the family trees and just... Pulled those people out that were products of rape or incest. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. You right. know his, you know his staffer yeah. is like leaning his ear like Ixnay on the apron, Steve. <laughs> no okay. rape. We don't use Steve, rape. You're looking at the wrong incest porn. That's the thing. Okay. <laughs> All right, creepo. All right, uh, creepo. All right. Uh, so continues. Quote. Quote. This is not Tom. Would there be any population of the world left if we did that? Considering all the wars and all the rapes and pillages that's taken place, I like that rape and pillage in his mind must be the same thing. And whatever happened to culture after society... I don't know what that means. Whatever happened to culture after society, I know that I can't certify that I'm not a product of that. I would like to say, Steve King, I'm almost certain that you are a product of incest. There's yeah, no... There's first no, of all, you're from Iowa. Sure. Let's, let's list the yeah. facts. Yeah, okay. From yeah. Iowa. From Iowa. That's at least a 30, 35% chance right there. <laughs> We're going to get so many fan messages. With what, from people from I, Iowa? I don't Six know. people I don't will know. email us. Two, I'm going to say incest because you don't achieve that kind of color without mutation. Yeah, that's so, not a natural yeah, color. Absolutely not. He's weirdly corn colored. Yeah, like, he is. He's, he's weirdly, like that. Yeah, he's like. He's like the 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 tassel on the top of the corn. He's like yeah. uh, Indian corn, but now it's Native American corn. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. racist. <laughs> <laughs> Not as racist as Steve King. <laughs> Nothing's as racist as Steve King. <laughs> you could be dressed like uh, like you could be dressed like as an Asian and screaming, "I'm an Oriental!" Right now, <laughs> <laughs> it would be less racist. Do you know than they screaming. renamed that theater in Chicago? It's Did now the really? Niederlander Theater. Oh no, okay. Yeah. yeah. Instead of the so now instead of the big like racist, like gleaming lights that just said Oriental <laughs> on the front of it. It's not Oriental anymore. No, it's the Niederlander okay. Theater. Yeah. So 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 Steve yeah. is saying 
think of what he's saying is he's trying to he's trying to in every way justify taking away a woman's right to choose. Yeah. By stepping over as far as he can into where I think even most sane people who are very pro pro life. Yeah. Stand, which yep. is rape and, rape and, rape incest. and incest. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a there's a general, not perfect, but there's a general like hey, maybe we should have exceptions for like if yeah. you're like 11 yeah. and your dad rapes yeah, you, right? right? Yeah. Like maybe that's not a baby that should be born sure. into the world by yeah. you. You shouldn't have to bear that burden. He is not even willing to go there, and his justification is like, well, okay, but when there was a war, and then war crimes happened, yeah, and so that was a good thing. Right, he has to be saying that, like, sure, that inherently that's an okay thing that happened, or that's a thing that yielded a positive result, and as a result of that yield, it's like, yeah, well, all right, well, we don't want to compound that tragedy with more tragedy. I don't know how this works in his yeah, mind. I don't either, but I do know that, like, when you're looking around the world and being like, well, I mean, a lot of people were raped. Maybe it was your mom, you know. <laughs> Anyway, so, this is like the most elaborate mom joke I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, you're gonna have a fucking problem. What are you gonna I'll, do about I'll, it? I'll fucking ruin your shit. I'll fucking something. throw you down these stairs like a fucking punk. Please do. Why, so you, you don't want to sue? You don't so you can fucking sue? Well, why don't you do it? Well, take a swing. Oh, you call me Fredo. Take, take a fucking swing. Take a fucking swing. Watch your fucking hands. Take a swing. Watch your fucking hands. Take a swing. Come on, come on, boy. Come on, boy. So you wanna call me shit? Call me shit. I'm right fucking all right, this is, uh, well, I guess we're just doing this out loud now. I guess, uh, there, there's a comfort to this story. This is from Newsweek. And the comfort is that, like, there's no more dog whistling. No. Now what no, we're doing no, 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 no. Now we have a bullhorn. We have a bullhorn. Like, yeah, we have a bullhorn now, yeah. and we're just telling you, by the way, I'm racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is unreal. Um, this is hashtag Cuccinelli resign. It trends on hashtag, Twitter. Hashtag, huh? Uh, yeah. Mm. Trends on Twitter after controversial Statue of Liberty immigration comments. What did he say though, Tom? Like, what was what oh, was it that he know, said? We're just such fucking snowflakes. So here's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> During an interview on NPR. Um, so okay, real quick, in case you don't know uh, who Cuccinelli is and why he's, maybe he's his, an Italian immigrant, right? Yeah. <laughs> so why his thoughts on immigration might have some value. Um, is that he's in charge of immigration. Oh, okay. So like, he's important. Job. He's yeah. important. Yeah, Got he's it. a senior cabinet yeah. administration Did he official. work his way up from immigrant? Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder, like, do you work your way up from immigrant? Are you like, it's like you? they only hire from within? Like, how does this? <laughs> they actually only hire from without. Yeah. That's the <laughs> I whole... guess that's true. Right. We always hire outside that's of the a... company. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the immigration director, and we're going to outsource that. Don't talk about the irony of it. All right, so... <laughs> During an interview on NPR, uh, he suggested that those lines, the lines... By the way, um, the poem from the Statue of Liberty say, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. I want to emphasize the second uh, piece of that, your poor. Okay. And right, I want yeah. you to uh, think, pause. And your is go. not Y-O-U apostrophe. No, not you are poor. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, he says those lines should be rewritten to say, give me your tired and your poor who can stand on their own two feet and it will not become a public charge. <laughs> Fucking welfare queens. Oh my God. We're you fucking welfare queens. Get out of here. He seriously is just saying, he's saying that that refers, and in, in other articles he said, that refers specifically to people of European descent. I know, he said out loud. He dude. said out loud, like, okay, first, those were white people that we were welcoming, and the poor white people that we were welcoming 
were definitely poor, but they were the kind of poor that will um, shut the fuck up and take it yeah. and pull themselves up by the bootstraps without causing people who aren't poor to have to kick a little extra yeah. into the kitty even though they so they don't die. die. Yeah, even, right? though, even though that's just not a true. It's yeah, just yeah. false. Even though, even none of that happened. Blatantly right? false, yeah. And it's so funny because like, if you just look at the history of European immigration in this country and you look at the history of, you know, like how the Irish were treated yeah. and how poorly the Irish yeah, were treated, the European too. descent, yeah. Italians were yeah. treated. Like it's, it's this, it's, it's, it's an atrocity the way that those people were treated. And it's not like poor Irish and poor Italian people, you know, and, and poor people from all over the world that came to her. So they showed up and they're like, well, here I am, governor. And anyway, I don't need a thing from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they came here because they wanted to benefit from the infrastructure. Yeah, that's exactly Economic, that's exactly educational, yeah, yeah. and social yeah. that America has. Yeah. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to come why, here. Why go anywhere? Why go anywhere? Right. If, if it's 100% perfect where you're at, you don't leave. Yeah. There's no reason to leave. If you're, in, if you're living your best life yeah. in The king of Prussia is not yeah. immigrating yeah. here, right? Yeah, if like, you're living your best life, you're not coming yeah. here. But, you know, if you are in dire straits, you may think it's better than here. Yeah. It's going to be better than here. So I need to go somewhere else. I need to try it somewhere else. And that's what they did. Right. That's what they did back then. And that's what they're still doing today. And like, and they, they, they would choose America in order to leverage the things that America has to offer the, to sure. immigrants. Right. And for the longest time, America was welcoming to immigrants yeah. because we understood out loud and everything. We understood that an, 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 a certain amount of immigrant culture coming in provided us with cheap fucking labor. Yeah. Like we knew that we needed it. Still it. does. It still does. It still does. But we're less honest yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. We're, we've said this in the show like a hundred times, but it just bears repeating. Like we are a country that has always built itself on the backs of free or cheap, but generally exploited immigrant labor. Right. Whether we brought that labor in against their will in the forms of African yeah. slaves, yeah. whether we brought that, that, that immigrant labor in, um, of their own free will and then took advantage of them. Uh, read here the Chinese, the Irish, the Italian, the Hispanics, which we've always done. It we have had we've never had a functioning economy that didn't require cheap, exploited immigrant labor. And if you think we have that now, if you think that all we could do is wave a fucking magic wand and send back all the illegal immigrants and all the cheap yeah. labor that illegal immigrants provide and that our economy would not collapse and that the cost of all of your goods and your yep. services wouldn't skyrocket to the fucking moon. You're lying to yourself and you don't know how numbers work and you should be embarrassed to wake up. Now, you know, for example, this last week, ICE did raids yep. on a bunch of like a factory farms. I think mm -hmm. it was where, where they yep. went after. And they got 600 people, 300 of which were released. So they got 600 people and they just grabbed everybody. Right. Brown doesn't matter. Then they had to prove that they weren't, right? So they grabbed everybody and then you have to prove that you're, you are you're a citizen, citizen yeah. right? And so then they let several of these people go. But you know who wasn't? walked away in handcuffs, the owners of those corporations, oh, yeah. right? We didn't care about those people. We only cared about the people who were being fucked by those corporations. I guarantee you. I guarantee. So they're getting paid under the table. They're getting paid less than minimum wage. They're getting paid, you know, they're, they're forced to live in shitty conditions in, you know, trailers with dozens of other people. They have to work long, shitty hours in horrible, horrible, horrible conditions. I mean, like, like conditions that nobody will work in. And it's proven because they started posting those jobs and no one's taking them. Yeah. Well, and look, these people pay taxes. Don't pretend that they don't pay yeah. taxes, right? Because 
They're they're using their money. They're spending their money. They're paying sales tax. They they earn less. They spend more. It's what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? They can't. Not, not only are they not paying taxes, and they are providing uh, money and, and moving money into the economy. And yes, they do send some money home, but they they still have to pay for food and housing and you know yeah. shit to live. Yeah. But they can't leverage uh, most of the welfare services. They can't you know yeah. get social security. Yeah. They can't go get food stamps. Right. They yeah. can't. People who think that they can are fucking nuts. You yeah. people are fucking nuts. It's not a thing that happens. Yeah. That's not how it works. Like that. There are, there are so many studies about the net benefit to our economy that illegal immigrants provide. Not legal immigrants. Illegal immigrants. They provide a strong net benefit to the economy of the United States. We need them. Yeah. We need them. What we should be doing is having porous borders that allow for people to come here, work, and then go home. Right. The reason that we have, part of the reason that we have the massive immigration problem we have is that we close the borders. It means people have to sneak over yep. here to earn money, yep. and then they're afraid to move back to where they fucking yeah. wanted to live in the first migratory. place. they're migratory. Yeah, right. instead of, yeah, instead of Im right. immigrants. Right. right. It's fucking bullshit. But uh, we're saying out loud, our administration is saying out loud, it's for white people. Yeah, it's and for rich white people. people. It's white people. White people only. The fuck. Yeah. The fuck. This yeah. is from News Hub. This is all over too. This was in a couple of different places. Uh, Russian priest suspended for violently baptizing baby blames mother for not being religious enough. <laughs> it's your fault. I'll tell you what, this baby, <laughs> he's uh, he's got to be a relative of James Bond because he was shaking ants to her. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like... <laughs> this baby was getting fucking baptized uh, today. This is like trying to fucking bathe a cat. I'll tell like, you what. Dan, he shook the shit out of this kid and he's dunking this kid and this kid does not want to be in there and he keeps on moving and the guys keep shaking him yeah. and spinning him around and the mom jumps in to try to save this kid. It's like, did, yeah, there's got to be this primalness when yep. somebody's fucking yep. with your kid, right? Yep. I don't know what that feels like, but I'll tell you what, like, like I can empathize in some way. This, she's jumping in to try to save her child from this fucking beast who is literally trying to manipulate hurt. Like, you yeah. know, you could just see like, it's one of those people who just like, they're the type of person who, when you're not looking, will dig their fingernails into a kid just to make it cry. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's what it feels yeah. like. They feel like a sadistic fucker and that's what they are. They're just a sadistic, shitty person. It's unbelievable. Like the, the, the mom, they want baptism. She's like, I want to save this kid. And then she has yeah. to save this kid yeah. save the from kid the from saving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a fucking inception. Like, we don't know if the top is spinning, yeah. if the baby's still crying. It's I'll a whole what, thing. If you let go of that baby, it would spin like a dreidel. <laughs> that baby was spinning and flipping around. She did not want to go in that water. This guy was like, I am, you fucking paid me oh, $11.95 yeah. to oh, baptize this what. fucking baby. And I'm going to dunk this. That little kid was fighting like a marlin. <laughs> I admired the kid. I was like, get it. Yeah. Fucking get absolutely. it. Absolutely. Fucking get it. Yeah, that kid was jumping around and trying to wiggle worm its way out of there as much as it could. And the priest was, you could just see him getting, he's getting madder and yeah. madder and madder. And it's like, that's not your profession, dude. If that's, if you're like a guy who has to deal with kids and you can't deal with a fucking one honorary kid, that's it. That ain't your job. You yeah. shouldn't be doing that job. It's, we've watched videos of like these Russian Orthodox baptisms God, before and they yeah. have this like, 
weird need to like juggle a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like they did yeah. this like whole like flip up in the air, like bring it up overhead, like fucking yeah. Spuds McKenzie. Yeah, absolutely. Or yeah. And like kaploo. Like, is that a slam dunking thing? Spuds McKenzie? Yeah. No, Spuds McKenzie was a dog. Who was Spuds the... Webb? Spud oh, Webb. That's all. They're and he, all the and same he was guy. a little guy. Yeah. He but did he, he dunk. dunked the he basketball, did dunk, right? But he was like five four or something like was that. Was he really? He was a little guy. Now I gotta look up how tall Spud Webb was. Cause I'm gonna be right. I'm now I'm gonna I got I knew up. it was a spud of some kind and not a potato. Five seven. Five seven. Five seven he could dunk. The the I wonder though if these Russian Orthodox, I wonder if like they're just so used to the hardest life ever. <laughs> and I, I, that's <laughs> like, true, right? That they're just like, this baby has to learn hardship. <laughs> Look, is not good have weak baby. This baby is not even made fight yet. Baby, baby must be strong. Might meet bear. Who knows? <laughs> Look, I am use radioactive water for to make baby strong. You should be thanked. You, you baptize in Chernobyl. <laughs> the following is an advertisement for Citation Needed Live in NYC. Do you like fun? Yeah. Do you like learning things? Sure. Do you like the very real possibility of seeing a grown man naked on stage? Oh. Then come enjoy Citation Needed live in NYC. <laughs> Saturday, October 12th, we'll be doing not one, but two different shows at 7 and 9.30 p.m. filled with thrills, ah, chills, and Cecil did ability to edit what enters your ears. Want to show the love? Oh. Guarantee yourself seats in the first few rows, as well as the IP admission to an exclusive meet and greet with the cast. Want to live the life? Try our Platinum Package, which includes a VIP ticket and all the births to both shows, plus a secret Platinum-only evening with a guy that includes dinner and drinks at one of our gang's favorite venues, a swag bag, as well as access to a live, never-before-recorded shop and the episode for you! <laughs> then go to eventbrite.com slash e slash citation hyphen needed hyphen live hyphen in hyphen NYC hyphen tickets hyphen 670-443-8255 Go ahead, caller. Um, can we have an easier URL to remember? No! Uh, please go to citationpod.com for more information. Thank you. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. I forgot about Rick Wiles. I, you know, uh, like we haven't had him on in a while and I forgot how much he hates the Jews. He hates the Jews I so forgot. much. Like, like every time he comes on, I want to like, I want to like do a... Adobe After Effects on every video that puts a little mustache on him <laughs> that just like masks and follows him around because Jesus Christ, this guy hates the Jews. He hates the Jews. He hates the Jews so, so much. much. Like, like he's he could win six million prizes. Yeah. that's how much yeah. he hates yeah. the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the six million Jew man. He's like, yeah. He's, <laughs> so this is Rick Wiles goes on anti-Semitic rant over the Hunt, which is a movie, and this is amazing. You would think you would hate Jumanji more. Jumanji. Jumanji. <laughs> It's time to shut down Jewish Hollywood. They're talking about. There we go. <laughs> Wait, for Jewish sure. Hollywood. What is? What is Jewish? Ho what is Jewish Hollywood? Just Hollywood. The rest of us just call it Hollywood. The rest of us just call it Hollywood. This guy get a bad bagel at some point in his life. Like, what happened yeah, to him? He just must have got, you know, he's like, he asked for the schmear and he didn't get it. <laughs> and now he's super mad. He got like food poisoning for bad locks yeah. or something. I don't know what happened to him. He, and it's funny too, because there's another video we won't get to this week where he's like, like clearly 
sympathetic to the Palestinians, right? Yeah. So there's, or he's clear, yeah. which again seems really out of character because don't these people- For the evangelicals? Yeah. Yeah. Seems like they hate Muslims more than anything, well, but he hates Jews more than anything. They're like, yeah. So he's a weird, like evangelical super villain. <laughs> Maybe he got like secret, like circumcised. Like he just wasn't yeah, expecting it. Okay. Like a surprise yeah. circumcision. <laughs> what well, the fuck? Surprise uh, circumcision. That's like not a fucking good. ninja Jew circumcision. Ooh, that ain't good. They're talking about murdering conservative Christian rural okay, citizens how are they, in how this are they country. That's no joke. The Jews of Hollywood spent tens of millions of dollars to produce that movie. Okay, he's talking about the movie The, the Hunt. Hunt. Uh, did you watch a trailer for this? I've not seen it. I've okay. read about it, but so I've not I seen watched the trailer. the trailer. Is it amazing? Because it's, it's not going to be released. I it, heard it's not getting released. Really? Yeah, they suspended the release of the movie because of all the controversy around it. Wait, really? Yeah, it's not go you, you can't see it. It's not coming out. You're kidding. No. It doesn't seem like it's very controversial at all. Yeah, as, as I understood it, it's a movie about liberal elites rounding up right-wingers and then hunting them for sport. Yeah. Okay, am I one. am I mistaken? So that's what I read. Yeah, I mean they look like they 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 they're all from they're all from the far south. So okay. it's, it's it's rounding yeah. them up. But here's here's what I what I saw when I when I when I saw it. When I saw the the first off, it seems like a Seagal movie with a little more gore. That's what it feels like to a me. A lot of necks get broken. It feels well. The the main character is uh they 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 let it play out in the trailer. The main character is a woman and the woman is like, they fucked with the wrong girl. And she's like an ex-military. Like every time Seagal was like a chef on a yeah, ship, right, yeah. he was like, he happened to be like a top CIA agent for right. 20 years. I was and, in SEAL yeah, Team 6 was, and now yeah, I peel potatoes. Now, I, now I'm, on, I'm on a chef on a cruise a cruise line, but that's okay because I could take care of every... You know what I mean? Like, right, like yeah. that's what it feels like. It feels like they fuck with the wrong person now and it's a woman. It's a, The woman is the, is the okay. main character. And I watched it and I didn't get liberal elites from it when I saw the the trailer it didn't it did, liberal elites didn't pop it just seemed like they were rich people right okay ultra rich people who owned an island like a Jeffrey Epstein type thing and instead of raping people on it which is what a normal person would do <laughs> you <laughs> you <laughs> It's going to be like that one listener who's got an island and he's just like, hey, fuck you. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Just, yeah. Hold on. I got to stop raping yeah. before I finish this email. But they're, they're murdering people on it. So like, it's like their own country. So they're allowed to do whatever they want. And then they, they, they drop these or drop these people in and they, they kill them. They hunt them for sport. Like the most dangerous game, right? right. So it's yeah. like the most dangerous right. game. And so from what I saw from it, it didn't feel like liberal elites. But the other thing that, that comes out in this is that like, the people hunting people for sport, they're yeah. not the heroes of this movie. Right. When you see this movie, you're like, that's not a person you're going to like. be like, oh man, I, I wish I was on that other side that was sadistically killing people and hunting them. Nobody okay. has that thought. Hold on, because I would rather be on that side than the side Admittedly, I'd rather be on yeah. that side, right. yeah. but I wouldn't choose to be on that side. Yeah. If I had to choose- I would choose to yeah. be on the side of the hunter yeah. versus the if hunter. If I had to choose, yeah. I would. Right. But yeah. I wouldn't choose it out of all the other things to do in the world. That's true. Like yeah, if right. it was like go to an ice cream social yeah. or hunt MAGA hat people. Yeah. Don't you pause so I long. I would get the ice cream first. <laughs> <laughs> You're just eating ice cream, watching people get explodinated. But, but no, it, like, that's like cruel. here's the thing is it doesn't feel like, like it's not like they're playing it off to be like, oh man, this is good shit. Right. We should do that. Instead, he's like, he's freaking out about it. Like the purge is real. Yeah, I, I actually heard that, like the story is a right wing 
propaganda piece, right? Because it paints left-wing liberal elites as murderers. I was like, we're the ones who want to get rid of the guns. Right, I know. I, that doesn't even make any sense. I, I, I love that too because uh, it's like, oh, the dystopian world of the liberals. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, be, these people have health care. There's think, no more guns. <laughs> okay, well, maybe what we could do instead is they hunt us in the woods for... <laughs> Amazing to do a spoof of this movie where all the liberal elites are like, like they're looking at a gun and being like, how does this work, Jeeves? Like they don't <laughs> yeah, actually right. know how it to just, shoot it because they never shot a gun before. They're like, and like every, time they pull it, the yeah, every time it explodes, like, oh, 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 you fire it. You fire it, Jeeves. Yeah, I, I just think where, it would be where's hilarious. Where's the manual? I haven't read the whole manual. Oh, it would be hilarious to spoof this movie. <laughs> this is not a joke. This isn't satire. <laughs> It is a It's literally satirical. Get ready to kill conservatives. Oh my God. I don't know what to say to you. But the, but the conservatives win in the end. Like you can, like the, it, the trailer clearly shows that the conservatives are going to win. Like the trailer, just the trailer. I didn't see the movie. You can't see the movie, whatever. You're never going to see the movie. But like in the trailer itself, I watched the trailer. I was like, yeah, no, you know who's going to win. It's going to be the hillbilly girl. Well, uh, fucking of course it is. If you take hillbillies and put them in the woods yeah. and you take like good people and put them in the woods <laughs> but like there's like there's like a phd in anthropology right. chasing people around it's like, it's like yeah. some, some guys like oh my god my tweed you know <laughs> like that guy versus somebody who like lives without central heating all dear like <laughs> could are you, you imagine <laughs> they're like screaming for a barista in the middle of the woods <laughs> You made me spill my macchiato, you son of a bitch. <laughs> They're trying to get an Uber black to pick him up in the middle. Of the Where's my Uber black at? I need to get out of these woods. They're like, I'm going to set it to cold. No conversation because I am very upset. <laughs> okay, wait, my camouflage isn't here and I ship this Amazon one day. It's supposed to be here and it's not. They're looking okay. for the drone to drop it off for him. Oh, Jesus, they got like one of those, like, they're like carrying around like a box fan with a solar generator, <laughs> just holding it up to their face. Meanwhile, the hillbilly's like, I done shopping to stitch. <laughs> yeah, there's a right? hillbilly fucking a gator in the fucking bush. <laughs> you people anymore. I've been trying to warn the people what's coming. I've been trying for years and I'm, I'm being as open as I can. The Jews are plotting a Jacobin <laughs> revolution. A, ja a Jacobin revolution. Oh my God. Oh yeah. man. A jackalope revolution. That's amazing. I love what a tiny, tiny minority of people is somehow oh, yeah. going to like oh. a violent uprising of the Jews. You'd be like, okay, the like, I, I was in my 30s when I met my first Jewish person. I know. Like my buddy Rob was yeah. the first Jewish yeah. person I ever yeah. met. Like I live in the suburbs. Like yeah. you're just like, Jews? Well, I'm not in the North Shore. Know, what like, the fuck? Five Jews? Yeah, I know. Like as, a, as like a more grown up, grown up, it's like a handful. I know like five or six. No, I, you know, I know a few from the show too. I know a couple that have contacted us through the show. Yeah. So I've met them at Reason Con and things like that. Yeah. So I know a couple of Jews. Like on a percentage basis, the group of people I'm most worried about is not the <laughs> I Jews. know, right? <laughs> like I think if I think if like you lined up all the Jews I know versus me, I'd be okay. <laughs> I also think like yeah. I could fight all those Jews at the same That's time. That's what I was just yeah, saying. Right, like you yeah. line them up, it's like it's like Eli Bosnick, Rob, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'll fuck those two guys up. Like I'm a, I'll fuck them up. <laughs> In this country. If that hasn't convinced you, what will it take? Next year when they're shooting you? 
Are you going to say- Oh, hey, you know, like the white supremacists are now currently, yeah. right? Like when the, like recently, I went on vacation and two mass shootings happened while I was gone. Okay, well, maybe yeah. that's on you. Have and you to one of them was like clearly linked to white supremacy yeah. where a guy was like talking about, he he was another 8chan dude. Yep. Where they had to shut, they, they, they wound up cutting part. Did they ever turn 8chan back on? Do you know? I don't I know. know they cut it off because they couldn't get, like their security like, went down. Yeah, one or of something. their technology support yeah, their infrastructure. Su they decided, they decided not to play yeah. with them anymore. And I, I listened to an interview with the guy who co-created it. Yeah. And he was like, this shit needs to go. It needs to get shut down. It's just getting too nuts. Yeah. He's like, this shit is toxic. Yeah, this is not what I tried Yeah, there's no more. We can't have a place where people have unlimited freedom of speech like this because what happens is, is people fucking post their manifestos and go right. murder people. When it amplifies yeah. those those kinds of places amplify the worst voices. Yeah. yeah. And the, all those in people- In artificial ways. And then you get people who go there and then they they just get indoctrinated into it and then they go buy a gun right. and then they shoot a bunch of people up. Well, I mean, how do they buy a gun with all the restrictions on gun oh, purchasing we have? Yeah. Oh. They told us, they told us they were going to do this. This is a Jacobin revolution. Is Jacobin. everything that we make a movie about a declaration of what we're going to do? Because- I'm excited for when we build giant robots to fight sea creatures. I just, I'm just looking forward to fucking Nicole Kidman. I'm just talking about you. <laughs> In front of Tom Cruise. <laughs> Hard eye contact, Tom. Hard eye contact. This one's for you. It is the French Revolution, which is coming to America very, very soon. And then it'll be the American Revolution. No, we had that. Then it'll be a different, it'll be the juvolution. And when it comes to America, it'll be Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> and rich, powerful Jews are telling you to your face, we're going to hunt you down. Oh my God, are you kidding me? We said, Doc. Yeah, and 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 I I mean, like every single thing though is a declaration. Like you say, like yeah. every movie is a declaration, every single one. So like, once Thanos does collect the Infinity <laughs> Stones and snaps his fingers, we're all fucked. I love too the idea that like you're just gonna broadcast your horror. I know, like, oh, hey guys, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna break in your house on Thursday at about four thirty. Just want you to know, four thirty Thursday, yeah. I'm breaking into your house. I'll send you a calendar yeah. invite. I'm, what the fuck are you and talking after we're about? Done, I'll send you a thank you. Yeah. <laughs> They'll make sure that the Trump voters never do it again. Right. Never do what again? Vote for Trump, I guess. Go hang out in the woods. Yeah. I don't know what. Yeah. I've been mocked for years for warning that this revolution is coming. I didn't make that movie. The Jews in Hollywood made that movie. <laughs> <laughs> this guy? Uh, uh, who is listening? Oh, uh, wait, other oh, anti-Semites. Could you imagine? Rampant you're sitting there, you're just like this evangelical, you're just like suddenly getting more and more uncomfortable as he's talking about the Jews. Right, you're just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know about any of that stuff. I was with you with the God stuff, but the Jew stuff's kind of making me a little worried. I can't remember if we're supposed to hate them or support Israel. Yeah, I don't know. So, okay. Very confused. Anyway, Rick, why? Tried. It wasn't made by Presbyterians. It wasn't made by <laughs> Roman Catholics. It was Okay, to be fair, Presbyterians have never made anything yeah. worth watching. Yeah, and, and Roman Catholics make the Jesus Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so, and that's not worth watching either. And they make little boys weep. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't made by Methodists. It was made by elite rich Jews who hate Christians. And that's what all those hillbillies were in that. They were all Christians. You could I tell. love how like he hates them for hating him. Yeah. <laughs> 
right? He does. They hate me so much he does. He that does. I hate them. That I hate them back. I hate them back double hard. You ever get like mad at somebody just because they're mad at you? Like, it's just like, like, that's like my fucking stupid body go-to. Like somebody gets mad at me and my body's like, well, we're mad too. And it's like, <laughs> okay, body, calm down. <laughs> And let's think this through. My body's like, uh, no, someone's mad at us. We're madder than them. <laughs> That's the same thing. This is it your is, stupid adrenal gland response. It is your, it is exactly right. That. It is exactly that. It's yeah. just like fight or flight. And then we you should fight And now. then you wake up in the morning the next day and you're like, God, I was such an idiot. Right. What is wrong with me? Exactly. Yeah. Like, you're never like, the moment that you think well. about it. The moment you yeah. think about it, you're like, gosh, I don't really hate the Jews. <laughs> We are joined by Dave Warnock, a very humble guy, by the way. He's just, just a humble a, guy. Just a humble guy. The humblest. The humblest guy, as he just said right now. You so know, the only thing he couldn't decide was whether his humility or his extra humility was the most <laughs> important part of who he was. It was, well, it was tough. My biggest fault is that I'm so humble. It's, 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 a huge, it's a huge hurdle for you, Dave. Dave, welcome to Cognitive Dissonance. Um, we wanted to talk to you tonight. And, you know, some people might not know who you are. So let's just start. Tell us about yourself, Dave. Okay. I am, um, I'm a former evangelical charismatic Christian for over 35 years. All right. I got a question already. Oh, shit. Were you, were you a huge Mike Huckabee fan during that time? You know what? I came from, I grew up in Arkansas and he was the governor of Arkansas at the time. And even when I was a Christian, I thought he was full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, you, you seem friendly. I don't know about charismatic yet. I mean, we're a little. <laughs> well, charismatic. We no, charismatic just simply means I spoke in tongues. Wait, oh, is that no, what that? No, no, Because really? I was actually going to poke at that. I don't know the difference between evangelical oh. and charismatic. That's where you hooba dooba. Yeah, charismatic oh, means you're a spiritual Christian. Can you do it for and, me? Uh, Religious scatting is the best. Yeah. Can you? I can still can speak in tongues. Yeah. You want me to really? Yeah, I really I wanted yeah, that I want one to hear. Yeah. Will, I've never Will I've this never, be yeah. the first time anyone has spoken in tongues on your show? Yes. Oh I'm my so god, yeah. excited. My I'm, pants are already <laughs> off. Right yeah. Got a little woody there, guys. Oh my god. You need to take the mic off of that thing and drop it, right? Oh my God. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit just entered the room. Oh my God. That was amazing. The Holy Spirit just entered my mouth. That was fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) We're off to a good start, aren't we? How did you learn to do that? I I know we have important things to talk about. Well, you know what? Back in the day, I thought it was the power of the Holy Spirit, but I look back now and I realize I just trained my brain and my mind to speak gibberish. You know the brain. The brain. The brain can do anything. You know right that. Now. You can teach your brain yeah. to do oh, yeah. anything. We're, sure. We're nothing but trained monkeys. Yeah. So, so you heard because there had to be a point where you didn't speak in gibberish, and yeah. then you had to go do it. You had to do it for the first time. Were you nervous to gibberish? No, I, I got, I got saved. Uh, that's the 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 nomenclature for evangelical Christianity. You get, you're born again, you're saved. And I got saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit the same night in December 20, on t- December 26, 1973. So <gasps> I, I spoke in tongues no, ra- right out of the gate. 
Wow. So I was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. I believed that Jesus could heal and do miracles and we could prophesy and have words of knowledge, all the stuff. So you, so you were, you, you were, how long? So 73 until when? Until about, let's say, 20, 2011 is about when I let Whoa. go of everything. Oh, my gosh. So that whole time you thought the himini hamana humana hamana was doing something? Was, like was, were- was a spiritual, it was a spiritual language. We were taught that the gift of tongues was a spiritual language, which you prayed. It was like a prayer language, we called it. And we spoke to God in a heavenly language and he understood us and no one else did. And we had this <laughs> secret <laughs> pipeline to God. Did you think you understood what it meant? No, 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 no. Now, I what, love that. You're, oh. you're like, maybe I asked for a smaller dick. I have no idea. <laughs> no, no the, the Holy Spirit would never have done, would have played that trick on me. He would have um, only had me ask for a bigger dick. <laughs> I mean, at some point it's only bigger. You know what I mean? Well, like, no, I, had a, I had a big one to begin with, smaller. so I wouldn't have asked for that. That would have been, that would yeah. have been too much. You are a humble, humble guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us what it's like to grow up as a charismatic evangelical. Yeah, I'm real Well, I actually, I grew up in a non-religious home. Wait, But what? I got saved at the age of 18 and uh, during the height of what's, what's known as the Jesus movement, which followed the hippie movement. And it was basically hippies getting saved. And it was kind of a movement into the, into the churches. The charismatic movement, if you look back, was just uh, people in mainline churches and off the street getting baptized with the Holy Spirit and getting saved and radically saved where... You know, you go from one day being um, lost and maybe on drugs or whatever, and the next day you're you're in tune with God and you're preaching. On I, I did street preaching and coffee house ministry, all the stuff. How the fuck does that happen? Our one, it's 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 day. it's a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a miracle. Come on, man, it's just a miracle. How does it really happen though? Like one day you're you're not saved and you're not speaking in gibberish, and and then. It's There's called, no way yeah. the next morning you're just you're just like oh man I bet all that stuff's true like how I does did that pro- really? I really did I Who went from darkness that? to how light that work? well you know it's it's just that back in that in that world you 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 were told that you were lost and that you needed a savior and so you you know without him you don't have any hope for life much less eternity and you you just give your life over to him and that's what I did it was a but I was did, all in. I didn't yeah, tiptoe into the pool. I jumped in. That way. That's what I'm trying to understand is you didn't grow up that way. So how did, who sold you that idea? My older brother got saved before okay. I did. And so he influenced me and, and I've, you yeah, know, he convinced yeah. me I was lost and needed a savior. And here's the deal. I was a very, uh, right out of high school and, and I had, I didn't have good, good, um, direction in life. I was vulnerable, uncertain. There was a lot of fear about what my future would be. And, you know, when people come along and tell you, here's the answer, just follow this book and follow this guy and you'll be okay. That sounded pretty appealing to me. Yeah, sure. Was, was there, a, was there a war going on then? Was it, or was it the, end, it was the tail end of the Vietnam tail end of Vietnam? Yeah. yeah. Tail end of Vietnam. Yeah. There was a lot of unrest in the country back then. You guys are much younger, so you don't know, but, um, you know, I, I grew up in the 60s and, and 70s, and I remember the unrest in this country, assassinations and Vietnam and, and uh, civil— Yeah, things are a lot calmer now. Yeah, it's, yeah civil, we, we have a, we have well, a guy on the, in the office right now who's, you know, pretty much the best. So Make America great again, by God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, these days are really the craziest and most—there's more unrest today than any time— since since that time, it's yeah. it's kind of we we've kind of regressed back to that. So all right, so you're you're it's 1973. Your yep. your brother kind of 
showed you the way and the truth and the light and all that. And all that you're, you're speaking in snakes or however that works. And now 30 years goes by and you become a, you become a, a preacher, right? Like a, yeah. like a full bred, like, like doing all kinds of like, like, uh, and the charismatics, are they, are they big groups? Are you doing like mega church stuff or is it well, like smaller? There weren't, or? there weren't mega churches back then, back, back when in that t- day and time, there were only m- what we called mainline churches and, and there weren't uh, charismatic churches or, or mega churches. They were just churches. And so as the movement spread, and more of us became that, then the churches grew. And yeah, I became a pastor and I did uh, youth ministry, music ministry. I did preaching, teaching, marrying, burying, all the stuff. Wow. So you do, yeah. that, you, you do that for a lot of years. You do that, you do that for- Yeah, about 35, 36 years. And then- was that, your, was that your paying job? At times it was. I was on staff at a church. Other times I was- doing it as a lay minister um, and had businesses of my own. So I had a kind of a hodgepodge career. And so, and so then take us to 2011. Yeah. I'm really curious. Yeah. Did did your brother knock on your door? It's all bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, I'm really sorry, man. (laughs) No, he's, he's really upset with where I am now, actually. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. He's concerned that I'm uh, being influenced by demonic activity and that I'm uh, being deceived by the devil and that I'm running from God and, and he's tried several times to persuade me to come back to the faith. And um, so, no, my, my, most of my family uh, is, is still evangelical Christians. And um, so about 2009, I started to really, for the first time, really investigate the claims of faith and, and investigate the origin, origins of the Bible, the origins of Christianity, and did a really thorough uh, examination where I asked all the questions and read books that I wasn't supposed to read. And I, you know, over a course of about two years of study and thought and reflection, I really came to the very painful conclusion that it was all bullshit and that I'd been fooled. And I was pissed and I was sad and I, I was bet. disoriented. Yeah, yeah And I tough. did not know a single person on the planet that had been through <clears throat> that. I felt very alone. And so it took me a, another couple of years to begin to find community and find people that were like-minded that had been through similar things. Now I'm, I'm surrounded by a huge community of people, both locally and internationally, who I'm in constant contact with. And we've all been through the same thing. It's, it's quite a movement going on now um, with, with people leaving the faith and some really high profile Christians have come out saying that they no longer are Christians. And so there's kind of a uh, a sweep, you know, kind of back then it was a sweeping into the faith and now it's a sweeping out. So I, I want to ask you about the, the 2009 moment. So yeah. I really am curious, what pushed you to begin that investigation? Like what, what prompted that part of your life? Because yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious what that transition was like. Well, it, it's really a, a longer period of time than that. There, there over the years, as a Christian, there are always things that don't make sense and questions that don't have answers and doubts that arise and you shove them down and you push them aside and, you know, you go on about your business and it's kind of like a whack-a-mole. You shove that one down, another one pops up and and after a while, it becomes exhausting trying to keep shoving those things down. And that's what most people that have experienced this will sh- will tell you is it's, it's just a series of small cuts and, and it, it, it's an accumulation of things where, in 2009, I, I was on staff at a church. I was preaching in a congregation. I, I, I was pre- uh, preaching every day. And, and uh, 
the, it was a mega church and I was pastoring a satellite congregation and, and I got sideways with the pastor. He was a real megalomaniac and, and narcissistic and manipulative and controlling. Okay, and, you say so those things like they're bad so things. It, and also, so a pastor then, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. the mega church pastor <laughs> yeah, had not, what traits exactly? So yeah, how, all how those many, things. How many people in a bathroom did he tap feet with? Like, that's my... Well, you know, <laughs> I'm still waiting for that to come out where he's caught in a bathroom with some dick in his mouth, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Um, but no, he and I got sideways and he fired me for being, uh, for the sin of independence. And, um, what, what, what now? Yeah. Cause I wasn't towing the line and, and, and being submissive enough, kissing his ass enough, basically. Okay. All right. And so I, I, at that point, really my, ironic if he fired you on July 4th, uh, <laughs> yeah. that very ironic. It was, uh, at that time. To I've bite got three. Pillow and take it. <laughs> I've got three adult children, and my two daughters are married to men who, at that time, in the church I was in, were like student interns. They were being groomed for pastoral roles, and and this guy really uh, turned them against me. Essentially, oh, where no. where they when I was fired from the church, they essentially shunned me. <gasps> um, and your kids the, did. My daughters did. Yeah, oh, my, my, my son didn't. And um, so I that began a process in me of really crying out to God saying, God, where are you? I need help here. I'm, I've been doing your will and serving you. And here I've lost my kids and, and I don't know what to do. And where are you? And how come you're not helping me? And, you know, I, I know people will say that, yeah, wah, wah, you just didn't get what you wanted from God. And that's why you left. It wasn't that. Uh, I still believed in God for another two years after that. And, and I went to another church and did all the things I've always done. But in the course of time, I, I started really, questioning why why aren't you showing up god and the the real the realization i came to is he he's not showing up because he's not there and he's not answering me because he can't because he's not there and and that was the stark realization of he's not there and he's never been there and it was very disorienting i i, I was it was sad i i didn't like i didn't want i was trying to hang on to my faith and it's not like i woke up one day and said fuck you god i'm out of here it was it was like come on man and and it just he, he wasn't there. And so that, that was a very disorienting time for me. And, and like I said, over the next year or two, I started finding other Christians, other pastors who'd been through that. I, I found a thing called the clergy project, which is an online forum for professional clergy who have no longer, they no longer believe in God. And so I started connecting with people from that group and started talking to them and realizing I wasn't crazy. I'm not alone here. There's other people that have experienced this. And so I started forming the community that I lacked, that I, that I missed. Um, and that's the thing about ex-Christians is that they don't miss the dogma and the judgment. They miss the community. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing. Hey, yeah. I have a couple of questions for you. So I was thinking about your, your deconversion, how, how painful it sounds. It sounds terrible. I didn't have to have a deconversion because I wasn't religious. Right. Right. Um, but every time it's described, and especially if you've dedicated so many lives, so many, so many years of your life to, to mentoring and pastoring. And I have to imagine that throughout the course of all those 35 years, at certain moments of your life, you understood those moments through a lens of faith. Absolutely. And then you have to look back after your faith is, is, is gone. And reinterpret those same moments, those same mm -hmm. memories. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I'd just like to ask you about like what moments of your life have you had to reinterpret now looking back and thinking, 
that's not how that happened. Or, or, or how did that, well, can, you, can you expound it's, on that? It's like, it's like speaking in tongues or prayer. That's one example where you look back and you think all these years I was praying and it was a one-way conversation. It, it'd be like you and I talking on the phone and I talk to you and then I just have to wait. And I imagine what you're saying back to me, but I don't really hear it. And so that's kind of the way prayer was. We imagine that God's speaking back to us or answering the prayers, but we don't really see that happen. And we just kind of have to make it up on our own. When people say they're praying for you, what they're really meaning is that they're thinking of you because God doesn't talk back. That's the reality. And, but in the, in the midst of that, you think he is, and you think that you're hearing this. And so the thoughts that you have, you think, oh, they're from God. Okay. Thank you, Lord. And, and you go on down the road and you realize, looking back, I realized that was a one-way conversation. He never spoke back because he can't, because he's not there. So what was the most difficult thing to let go of? Uh, the sense of knowing, the sense of feeling like you've got the answers. And, and that's what evangelicalism is. It's, it's the certainty that you have the right viewpoint in life. You have the answers about everything from eternity to who should marry who. And, and so all of the things in life are interpreted through that lens. And, you know, I'm, I'm on kind of a, a, a tour of late doing podcasts and speaking and doing all kinds of things. And I'm really speaking out against the harmful parts of evangelical Christianity. I don't, I'm not against all Christianity because a lot of people who claim to be Christians, they just kind of have a live and let live mentality. You know, I believe a certain thing and I don't really care what you believe. Yeah. But evangelicals aren't satisfied with that. They believe a certain thing and they want everyone to agree with them and they will judge them and shame them and try to persuade them to think that way. And I'm against that because well, it's sure, us against- right. I mean, they'll of tell course. you all about yeah. it. <laughs> That's the thing. See, I'm against that certainty. I'm against that dogma. Um, and on the other hand, I'm, I'm also not in favor of certainty from this side saying, well, there's no God and I'm certain of that. No, that's just as bad. You know, it's, it's more helpful to say, I don't think there is. I don't believe in one. I don't see enough evidence to convince me that there is. So I'm essentially an atheist. But if you bring me the evidence, then I'll look at it. So it's, it's 2011 and you realize, holy shit, it was the call was coming from inside the house. <laughs> yeah. And, and, <laughs> and did you did you eventually because you said you started looking for community? Did you eventually find one? Yeah, we uh, Cass, who was just on the phone, was one of the first guys I connected with through the clergy project, and um, we realized we lived thirty minutes away from each other. Now I, I live here in their home with them since the diagnosis. But uh, I started finding people who'd been through similar things, and they became my my people. They became my family, my community, because we had this common commonality that we could that we could rally around and understand each other. And and the reality is that. Atheists who've never been Christians really can't relate to the kind of things that we dealt with. There's a lot of trauma involved. There's a lot yeah. of family discord. There's a lot of broken marriages, mine included, that that are that are caused by the disconnect between uh, different worldviews that people have. I know, I know people personally who are not out. We use the same term, terminology that LGBTs do is that they, they're secret atheists. Their, their family doesn't know that they no longer believe because they don't want to deal with the fallout, which can be extreme as in my own case. So they just go to church 
They're just no, dead. They, they, they don't. You know, a lot. Here's the deal. There's a lot of Christians out there now who claim the Christian faith, but they don't go to church anymore. Oh my God, I'm so tired of that. They say, but I still believe. You know, so they they hang on to this this notion of Christianity, but they don't live any differently than you and I do. That's the funny part of this. It's like Donald Trump claiming to be a Christian. What? <laughs> oh, you don't believe that either? What else don't you believe, Dave? Oh, Dave, I doubt everything. <laughs> I'm a skeptic. Yes, I am. Oh, my God. So, Dave, you, you mentioned it earlier, diagnosis. Take us there. Yeah. So, I'm living my life, 2011, the next four or five years, I'm living with my wife, and she still is a believer and doubled down and kind of gotten... She kind of doubled down on her faith and our disconnect got greater and greater. And it became, it became intolerable for me in the sense of, of living in a, in a home with someone who continued to believe things that I, that I found to be harmful and dangerous and hurtful to people. And so eventually I said, okay, I'm going to reboot my life. And this was about uh, three years ago. And um, I left the marriage and and went and started over and and literally began to live for the first time in my life as an authentic, honest person who who was uh, open about who I, I was open about who I am and and lived as an atheist and and didn't apologize to anyone for that and and my my position on that is anyone in my life, family or friends, who can accept me for who I am, then I'll continue to be your friend and and I still have Christian friends who don't care uh, what I don't believe and don't care uh, how I live my life. They just value me as a person. Yeah. And I think that's fine because that's what we should be all be doing. I don't, you know, we're, we're all humans. And so that was um, the last few years. And then the early part of this year, um, in the midst of living my best life ever, I found out I had ALS. And that was a diagnosis I got in in February of this year, February 26th, to be exact. Okay, so obviously that was punishment from <laughs> Jesus. Jesus yeah, you'd well, think, see, right? So you're, you're, you're uncomfortable right now. Jesus Christ. Why? This is obviously Jesus-related punishment for not believing. For so those well. people at home, Dave, who don't know what ALS is, can you describe <laughs> what ALS is? Yeah, a lot of people I, I don't realize. I on my path. Yeah, no, I, I think we're done with Tom's path. We're moving yeah. on from Tom's path. My, that Cecil, are you, un- path. Are, are you uncomfortable with what Tom's saying, Cecil? I, I, just, I just agree. That's all. <laughs> okay. No, um, ALS, more commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease, it's a motor neuron disease that where essentially your muscles quit working. You, you lose strength in your muscles and is eventually you die. And the prognosis from diagnosis is, is uh, an, on average three, three to five years. So wow. it's a terminal illness that doesn't have any cure. It's very mysterious. They don't know who, who gets it and why. Um, they don't, it's hard to predict how long it's going to take for, for your muscles to quit working. It's hard to predict where they'll go, where it'll go next. My symptoms began in my fingers and hands and arms. And so that's where I have the problem is I have trouble with strength in my hands and arms and lifting things and opening things. And so um, eventually it will travel to my, uh, either my my mouth and I can't talk anymore um, or my legs and I can't walk anymore. Um, and then it goes to your diaphragm, which uh, you can't breathe anymore and then you die. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Not that's, good. It, it's not pretty. Yeah. And they said, and they, they gave you that everybody's prognosis once they find it is three to five years. That's, that's, that's the ballpark they give. Obviously yeah. it varies greatly. Some ballpark go, Lou Gehrig. I see what you did there. Yeah. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, because he plays football, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah or, or something like that. Um, it, it, it varies greatly. Some live a lot longer, some go quicker. It's, it's again, it's very unpredictable. And so um, I, I just, I, I'm, right now, mine is moving slowly. I'm, I'm still pretty functional. I'm fairly independent. Um, but that said, uh, I, I'm getting to where I need to make sure that you know, traveling, I, I make sure someone goes with me as much as possible. Um, I made well, the decision. Well, that way you can drink. I mean, that's just good. <laughs> well, yeah. Good manners, really. Yeah. And and I made sure not to uh, not to live alone anymore because it's just, it's just little things that become hard to do. Um, so it's just wise for me to have people around that can help me if I get stuck. This had to be, I mean, I, I, I can only imagine. I can only empathize. I, I, I'm not there. Were you at all tempted back toward faith? Yeah, a lot of people have asked me that. Um, not for a second. Um, not for a nanosecond did I did That's I consider. Because the devil has firm hold of you now. That's, he's got, so that's, he's, the, that's the key. Yeah. He's got me in his double. death grip. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I got it. No, that, here, that snake is wrapped around my neck. <laughs> Just scream well, like that's gibberish. Why don't work is because of the snake. All right, <laughs> <laughs> scream gibberish at it. Let's slither it. That's that parcel tongue thing. Anyway, no, I, sorry, I never, sorry. I never did. I never did consider that. I, when I left, when I let go of my faith, it was, it was final and it was complete and I didn't waver a bit in it and I haven't wavered a bit in it. And, and you know what? It makes it easier in some way because back in the day when, when I was a Christian, what, what you had to do with anything that happened in life, you had to figure out where God was in it. You know, what's God saying? What's God doing? And with this, as a secular person and a person of non-faith, I just accept things as they are. So when stuff happens, you don't have to f- try to figure out where God is in it. And it just makes life so much more simple. They've, this had to fundamentally redefine your relationship to mortality and to the finality of mortality. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? I, I'm curious how that changed and how like the reality of this diagnosis kind of well, it's a sobering moment. You know, it's a moment I'll never forget um, when I got the diagnosis and and I walked, uh, I was living downtown Nashville and I literally was across the street from the hospital where I got the diagnosis. And I walked home and, and it, it was very heavy. You know, I, I had people in my life that knew I was getting checked out and, and I knew that ALS was on the table because I'd, you know, Google symptoms and, and figured out it, it could be, it could be that and it could be other things, but it also could be that. And so people in my life that, that knew I was getting all these tests, I started texting them. And I mean, sometimes I would just send a text to some of them and say, it's ALS. And um, calling my son and other people I'd, I'd call. But it, immediately I, I just kind of embraced it. And I realized, okay, I've got to decide how I want to live whatever is left of my life. And so I, um, I quickly made decisions to change mm. the way I was living. Like, moving out of my apartment. And um, when the lease was up, it was a few months later, um, retired from the work I was doing. I was working in the insurance business and started selling stuff and and making decisions to just travel and do as much as I could. So what I did is I, I just kind of, like I said, before the diagnosis, I was living my best life and doing the things I wanted to do. I had a, a saying, I had a pillow, I've still got the pillow, and uh, it's stitched on it. It says, carpe the fucking diem. <laughs> and, and that was a phrase I was living by. And, and which means seize the day, get, grab the moments in life. And I'd also had an epiphany when I rebooted my life 
And it was captured on, on a plaque I had on my liquor cabinet, which says, we do not remember, excuse me, we, we do not remember days, we remember moments. And I, I had had an epiphany that, that was this, life is nothing more than a collection of moments. It's not a, there's no big plan that's all tied together. There's no big scheme that you have to figure out how all this works together. Uh, singular moments that we remember that, that make life special are not connected to one another and they can stand alone. Now, some, some are connected, you know, if you relationship with people or whatever. But I, I was just living that way for those, those couple of years and and then when I got the diagnosis, I just kind of mashed the accelerator down and started living it faster. And so I made a decision that I was just going to live <clears throat> as much life as I could, as as hard as I could, and do the things I wanted to do as long as I could do them. And, and then I started doing what I'm now calling Dying Out Loud, which is podcasts like this and speaking engagements. I just came back from Austin this week um, down there doing a... a a YouTube show, and I've been speaking at Unitarian churches and humanist uh, communities, and and all the things that I can do to talk about what I think is important, which is embracing our mortality, not being afraid of it, not being in denial of it, but just realizing that death is nothing more than the end of life. It's what happens, and it's it's natural, it's normal, it's nothing to be afraid of. And, and then also the, the flip side of that is dying out loud is also about living out loud, which is capturing the moments, making the most of life, not letting it pass <clears> you by, and, and living your best life with intentionality and with so purpose. I, I, can, I, can I interrupt? Should, should we wait until we also get a diagnosis to do this living thing or should we you can i wouldn't right. advise it no no, no. no I, it say, sounds like generally good advice yeah. without the ALS. without the yeah with like the i'm gonna try it without the ALS. Yeah. that's my well that's what intention. i'm that's what i'm that's, talking that's about what you're going yeah. for and the people that are hearing my message are are saying the same thing that they're realizing that and and it, i'm finding it it's very rewarding to see that that it's making an impact and um for instance um yeah y'all remember the ww uh WWJD bracelets that were a thing yeah, back in yeah, the day. Yeah, what, yeah. what would Jesus do? Well, it was Joseph. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can, there's different uh, interpretations, yeah. different translations of the Bible. Um, Jeremy. But uh, so we were having one of our local ex Christian meetups that we have here, our local community. And it was the week after I'd gotten the diagnosis, and everybody was very emotional. It was very hard hard time. People were sharing about how they were feeling about it. A lot of tears, a lot of emotion. And one of the women in the group had said she would been that uh, that week earlier had been out doing something and was all frustrated and, and anxious about something. And she stopped and said, wait a minute, Dave would not be upset about this. He would not get all worked up about something that doesn't really matter. You know, he's got a bigger fish to fry. And she's, she, and then someone across the room said, yeah, what would Dave do? And then someone else said, WWDD. <laughs> and so she's an artist and makes bracelets. So we now have WWDD bracelets <laughs> that amazing. people are wearing. And what it uh, does, it's, it's making people stop and think about yeah. what's important in life yeah. and and saying, okay, no, I'm going to carpe the fucking D and I'm not going to let life pass me by. And I'm getting feedback like that. And it's very gratifying at this stage in life. I uh, I, I want to ask you a question. How do you, how do you think you would be handling this if you were still religious? What do you think you, what do you think your thought process <clears throat> would be if you were still religious? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I would be trying to figure out where God is in it and what God is saying. I'd be praying for healing. I'd be praying for, you know, and that's what, other people do. Um, do you think you, know, you would be? Do you think you would be dying out loud though? Do you no. think you would be 
car paying the fucking diem? Do you think no, he would be because doing the, it? No, because the reality is Christians have a fetish for the afterlife. Evangelical Christians. Um, because everything's about eternity. And what what that does, when when they're so preoccupied with eternity, heaven and hell, then they're missing the life that's in front of them, the one life we do know we have. And so as Christians, you minimize this life because you're all focused on the next life. This is nothing but a dress rehearsal in their minds. Okay. This is a preseason football game. It doesn't really matter. And so what- Well, ironically, what I, it matters if you get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> only if you get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, would you be more or less scared to die if you were still Christian? You know, what, what's been interesting to me is that my observation is, is this. Christians are more afraid of death than non-Christians are, which is crazy to me. But, you know, I'm but, thinking this like, like I'm afraid to die because I'm just a chicken shit. And I'm afraid to die because like the world of me has always had me in it. And so I find it literally impossible to imagine not being. And that- yeah inability to imagine a state I won't experience fills me with just it's existential an, an, dread. an yeah. inability to, con- yeah. to, I'm just consumed by it. So I just panic and I put in a box called no, and yeah. I never think about yeah. it. Well, that's but the thing. But I would thing. be more afraid, I think, if I thought, oh my God, what if I die and then I go to hell? Yeah. That's there, so, that there, sounds there way worse than- so yeah. I think I think that Christians are afraid of it because in their gut they don't really believe this shit and they're afraid they're going to get to God and stand before God and and he's going to say, "Well, you came close, buddy, but not quite." <laughs> yeah, and, well, let it be terrifying. <laughs> and I'm just not. So the reality is you, you say you're afraid of dying, but you're really not because dying is is just going to dark, fade to black. And you go to sleep and you don't wake up. However it happens, it could be a car wreck or it could be you just fade out. And so you don't really know, you're not even conscious then. So when people say, are you afraid of dying? Uh, My honest answer is, no, I'm not. What I'm afraid of is not living. What I'm afraid of is wasting what I have. And and that afraid is not really the right word. I just just don't want to leave the party early. I want to get all I can out of it. And, and so the idea of, though, of going to sleep and not waking up is not that terrifying. It kind of sounds nice, you know, in that, in that I like sleep. So Socrates uh, said the same thing right before it, he drank the poison. Yeah. Yeah. Did so yeah. Socrates said the same thing, the exact same thing. I said, it will be like a dreamless sleep. The reality is that our death is harder on the ones around us. And I'm, I'm aware of that. I have close people that are very close to me in my life that are, really torn up about this. and So should uh, and, you then alienate the people that you're close to? <laughs> oh, I do that a, all the time. As a I, kindness I, to other I'm kindness. An, yeah. I'm a massive <laughs> asshole. Um, uh. No, I'm aware that the people who love me are, are, are going to, they're going to suffer more when I die than I am. That's the reality. Yeah, that's what I hope for everyone else too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone suffers after yeah. I die. You I assholes. recognize I'm going to have to have paid mourners. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. Like, it's too, just, I got to pay them in advance. Otherwise, it's going to be that uh, funeral of that guy. It's like, there's like, Three people yeah. standing oh, around the lake, and there's like, and like, and like, two, two of them are, are obligated. <laughs> yeah, they're wearing jeans. They didn't even put on <laughs> dress pants for this thing. It's like, uh, uh, I got a little pee stain. Uh, <laughs> that's that's true, though. You know, it's it's the ones that are left behind that have to deal with yeah, the, the yeah. loss and the sadness, sure. and sure. So I'm I'm aware of that, and it, it it that's what hurts my heart more is to see the pain in in the people around me. From what you've described, you've been really heavily a part of two very different communities. Big time. You've been you've been heavily a part of the evangelical Christian community. And now here you are in this um 
much more ad hoc kind of loose leaf <laughs> community of, of, of the atheists. Can you talk to me a little bit about the difference between those two communities experientially? Well, the main difference is that the atheist community doesn't have any money. <laughs> we're all broke. We're, we're all broke. Yeah. And the reason for that is, first of all, we don't have uh, a tax deduction for contributions. And we don't have 10% of everybody else's fucking exactly, money, right? Exactly. And, and we don't, we don't uh, manipulate people into giving through fear and guilt. I'm going to write that down. Hang on. Fear yeah. and, and guilt. guilt. <laughs> um, but but the, the biggest difference is that the atheist community is very genuine because there's no agenda. There's nobody judging you for what you do or don't do. There's nobody trying to dictate how you live your life. And the Christian community is filled with that, where everyone has to be exactly the same. And and the the non-Christian community, the the uh, secular community, we all live our own lives and no one's telling you this is right or this is wrong. It's just, are you kind? Are you being decent with other people? Are you practicing uh, consent with people? Are you not forcing your way on them? Are you not being judgmental? And it's a very authentic, genuine community that just people are together because they enjoy each other's company, not because they feel compelled to gather with the tribe and and try to make sure everybody's behaving. So do you feel more love and you, you feel more genuine love and acceptance from the, from, from this loose leaf ad hoc community? This community oh, absolutely. Of, yeah. I think that's really interesting because that's something people really miss when yeah. they walk out of religion yeah. and, and it's something that they can still find. It's yeah. something that is here. Yeah. You know, whatever your need for it is, you can find that. We just don't have the organizing feature to put us all right. together most of the time. That sort of church is what puts everybody in front of everyone else. And we don't really have a lot of that. Yeah, really yeah. Have, like yeah. if you move to another city, you 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 just find the kind of church you went to in the other city and you've got yeah. ready, ready-made community. You just yeah. walk right in and there it is. Right. Whereas if you're an atheist, you kind of got to dig around a little bit more. So yeah, it's- you got to build from the ground up every yeah, time. Yeah. So it's, it's a little harder to come by and it's harder to find. I find people all the time. I had a guy reach out to me after hearing a, a podcast a couple weeks ago, and uh, he, he just sent me a message and said, uh, you, you know, your story inspired me, and I'd love to know if anything I can do for you, blah, blah, blah. And and I said, cool, man, thank you. Where do you live? I found out he lives 15 minutes from here, huh. Huh. and we're getting coffee tomorrow. Nice. That's so, great. That's so great. that, and he was an evangelical Christian for 40 wow. years. Wow. So we, we have a lot in common, but we, we didn't know yeah. That we live down the road from each other. Yeah. So it happens a little more randomly than the other, but it happens. So Dave, um, if people were going to find you on the internet, where would they look? Well, if you're on Facebook, which most people are, if you, I mean, you can't be alive if you're not on Facebook, can you? Um, so <laughs> my page is simply Dave Warnock dying out loud. And if you go there, you can find out my, it's got all the links to the podcast and the speaking gigs and and my schedule. And there's a way to support me on Patreon because we're, the reality, I mean, I'm trying to get around and spread this message as much as I can quickly because I'm running out of time and, and there'll be a time when I can't travel and I can't go speak. Yeah. And, and I'm finding that the message is resonating yeah. with people uh, in a real way, in a tangible way that 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 is really moving to me, but um, so but the problem is people want me to come speak, but they don't have any money. Yeah, we're atheists. So we don't have any money. You already said that. I know we're all we're all broke, but I don't want that to limit me from getting around. Sure. So I'm um, I'm getting people that are wanting to support and 
we on the on the page there's a patreon and a paypal and all the ways that you can give and it's just a way of of spreading the cost out in a greater way so that i don't have to say no to a group that wants to bring me in cuz they don't have the budget right, for yeah. it and it's just yeah. travel expenses i'm not looking for a bunch of money out of this thing. I don't. I don't really care about. I mean, that. the Ritz Carlton is um, not cheap. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I know, and I'm not staying anywhere but that. Right? No, no Airbnb yeah, for damn sure. Damn right, damn right. Dave, we're gonna put a link on this week's show notes to that Facebook page. This is episode 483, so people can find it and uh, find out where you're speaking and also connect with you. Um, it was a really insightful conversation, this and when you when you when you do uh, finish your book, we'd love to have you back on to chat about it. That'd be great. So we want to thank our patrons. Of course, we want to thank all our patrons. We want to thank specifically our newest patrons for the past three weeks, of course. Ryan, Nils, I use Satan's pubes to turn Jim Baker's mom lesbian. <laughs> what? That's, that is a absolutely an erotic story on its own right I, there, I think. Yeah. Okay, we should talk later. Jared, Jonas... F Toys, Chris, Sarah, Donald Trump's Neglected Taint, and Miko Ronix. Thanks so much for your generous okay. donations. We really do truly appreciate it. We will be doing a live stream on August 25th. And if you want to make Gary the Unicorn Fart Glitter, you can come and be a patron that day. We're going to be trying to get a, a bunch of people uh, to watch us on our live stream. We're going to be doing a full show live for you. Uh, in studio, you'll get a chance to talk to us, hang out with us for a couple hours, not two hours, but maybe an hour and a half or so while we cover several stories. It's going to be a blast. So put it on your calendars for August 25th, about midday. Got a bunch of email while we were gone, Tom. Just we a did. ton of it. A lot of people responded to us talking about uh, their experience um, in their countries working. Um, we got a ton of messages from a ton of different people um, people from the UK, people from Finland, people from Denmark, uh, Norway, Norway, Australia, Australia a ton of people sent yeah. us messages. And they mostly said there's existential dread all over the place, except for like one or two places. And there seems to be a little bit of a safety net in some places, and it's a little harder to fire people in other places. But for the most part, people are really experiencing all the same stuff in all the places. Yeah, I, I think the only exceptions were some of the Scandinavian countries where they're living in a snow-filled fucking utopia yeah. or whatever. It just makes me mad all the time, but they have the population of like Michigan can, that lives can, there. I just want to make a plea. Can someone over there adopt me, please? Can yeah. someone just adopt us and we'll just move the studio yeah, over there? Kind of for real. Like it just sounds great all yeah. the time. Like we, we got an email from somebody. It's like, yeah, you know, like some bad shit happened and I was out of work, you know, for an extended period of time, like months. And they were just like, yeah, but I wasn't ever worried because there was this, there yeah. was this safety net. Yeah. And I thought like, fucking, I haven't been out of work since I was 14. Yeah. Like I have not, not had a job. I've had a job. I've had a job all the whole time I've been since yeah. like 16. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, was it, was your, my longest stretch of unemployment was no days since I was 14. I lost my job. I got a job the next day. I would be so afraid to be without work. Yeah. Even when I lost my job or did, I quit jobs. I still had other jobs yeah. that I did the very same day or later or right. the next day. Cause it like there's a there's a there's a sentiment that like you don't quit a job until you have another job lined yeah. up, no matter how bad that job is. Yeah. You know, you gotta have something else to rely on because there's nobody to help you but you. I delivered pizzas until I went away to college. And when I went away to college, I had a job lined up the day I moved to Chicago. <laughs> so I had a job 
you know, you know, I had weekends off and things like that, but I've never had a, you know, a, a job that's not been lined up right away. Yeah. And the thing is like, you can't live on unemployment. Yeah. Like the amount that you get for unemployment, oh, it's, a pittance. You know, it's a pittance. It's not a livable wage. Yeah. But we got a lot of great messages from that. People really did seem to like that show. So we might do some things like that again in the future. We've got a message from uh, Kevin and Kevin sent us an image and it is an image of an old timey image of circumcision that we're going to post. So crazy it's looking. Cr it's crazy. We're going to post it on this week's show notes. It says 483. Got Dennis. It's also talking about circumcision. He says, hey guys, in episode 481, you mentioned God's currency tip coin. I couldn't help but think that's like Bitcoin is based on blockchain technology. Tipcoin must be based on, you guessed it, cock chain technology. <laughs> I liked it. That very was good. good. Very good. This is an interesting message, Tom. This is from Eric about abortion. He says, a physician fan in Southern Kentucky that just ran across a study published in JAMA today that suggests women who are coerced to continue their pregnancies have worse physical health. The study demonstrates worse arthritis and headaches over the five years post-pregnancy. No difference in other health categories but it combats the narrative that abortion is dangerous to your health. So at worst, abortion is no different than pregnancy for your long-term health for the specific symptoms asked in this study. And at best, it's much safer to your long-term physical health. And I thought like, yeah, because being yeah. pregnant and having babies yeah. is really a risky yeah, thing to do. Absolutely. Like, we pretend it's mm -hmm. not. Yeah. It's super yeah. fucking risky to be pregnant. I know several women who have been fucked up by their pregnancy yep. in, in really, really bad ways. I know several women that have had bad pregnancies that have really fucked them up. We got a message from Kenneth and Kenneth sent in uh, a Reddit called a boring dystopia. That's all one word, a boring dystopia. And uh, I also peruse another one called late stage capitalism, which I think is a great term. Uh, yeah. I've heard it many times, but great late stage capitalism is awesome. And they, that's where they will show you a lot of those like little kid raises 50 cents for mom's fucking uh, tumor or whatever. Yeah. There's all those stories in there and stuff. If I so. read that stuff too, I, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be that guy buying land and building bunkers yeah. and like, I'm only three inches away from that at any given time. <laughs> We got a message from uh, from Danica who said that we should check out The Family if we liked Wild Wild Country. Tom and I may check this out and we may do a, a patron episode on it. We're going to look at it. Got a message from Jacob who said that his uh, great-grandfather died and he said his family built their casket, bathed the body, took the body to the funeral home, dug the grave and made the grave marker, lowered him into the grave completely by themselves and the state of Nebraska still charged them $1,000 to keep the body in a fridge for three days. Did it get up after three days? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, they actually didn't charge you $1,000 for the freezer. It's just the cost of that enormous fucking Tupperware container. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> Got a lot of message about... Uh, about d apples, uh, this one is from Woof. And Woof says, as an old fart, I can remember when Red Delicious apples were crisp, tart, and sweet. Good times, now they suck. Um, have you tried the Honey Crisp? That's one apple that we did miss, and, and that is a solid apple. It's a great apple. Honey Crisp is a solid apple, I will say that. I like the way they break when you bite them. Yeah. Like, they don't yeah, like... Yeah, you're right. They just kind of break yeah, into, yeah. like, these yeah. chunks. It's extraordinarily and, satisfying. And I found out that there are dozens of apples I've never tried. When I when And when I posted, when this got posted, yeah. people were posting constantly these, oh, have you tried this one? Have you tried this one? And, I, and there's dozens I've never tried. One of my favorite things to do is go to the grocery store and like look at all the varieties and then like you can Google and they have like a rich history of like who found them and how they were made. And like, there's like a whole Apple community. Yeah, I'm, I try different ones like all the time. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. I, I you know, it's normally, it's funny because I normally stick to the ones I, I, I like, but what I probably will do from now on is get the, get a bag full of the ones I like and two of the ones I've never tried. Yeah. 
just to try it out and be like, oh, that's a good one. Keep that sticker. Put it on the fridge. (laughs) So we got, like we said, we got a bunch of these messages we said from all over the place, France, Canada, the UK. Uh, But I do want to read one of these. Um, We got so many of them there. We just can't. Thanks for sharing your stories. We read every single one of these messages that came in. We want to thank everybody who sent in messages about their own struggles with their work in their country. But we do want to read Ian's. Ian said that, um, that he started out uh, in UK, in the UK in Manchester. He didn't go to university, and then he started doing. Sh- he started working in a sheet metal factory, doing a welding apprenticeship. And then at the end of that, the company made it. Uh, made basically made his job redundant. And then at twenty years, twenty one years old, he didn't know what to do. And so he eventually, um, after about ten years, he he has moved to Iceland, and now. He's making prosthetic feet in Iceland and the company pays the employees. Well, I've been to Iceland. Iceland is beautiful. And from what I hear, the people there are very happy. Like it's one of the places in the world where people are very, very happy. Um, Says the biggest difference in work is the unions though. Pretty much every field of work here has its own union and they are all extremely powerful and the benefits they offer are easily accessible and they are very quick to resolve any workplace issues. And that's something in the United States that we do not have as strong unions anymore. When I was growing up, unions were very strong, but unions have really lost their grip in the United States in a huge way. And it's funny because like unions are the are the reason that we have most of the things we value yeah. as workers, like a 40-hour work week yeah, as a, weekends as a standard, weekends off, holidays, it, it Everything you like about working, which mostly, let's be honest, includes not working. Yeah, it's mostly not working. Right? Yeah. All of that exclusively came from unions. Yeah. And and we still have this, like, weird fucking hate on for unions. Yeah. In this, like, as if they're doing us some terrible disservice. Like, and and I think that it's in part because they are deeply imperfect organizations. And as a result of their imperfection, like we don't want them to be good anymore. Like we're, we're unwhelming to see them as a overwhelmingly good thing because they're not a completely perfect thing. It's the enemy is the perfect of the good, right? Yeah. It's it's fucking maddening. We want all that shit. Good of the perfect. I don't know. I fucked that up. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Anyway, something's good and something's perfect. And something's yeah. its enemy. Don't let the perfect be the enemy. I of the think good, it's. I like think if you set them all up and then they battle, perfect, <laughs> good, and. You know. But we want to thank yeah. everybody. Like we said, we we read every single one of these messages that we got, and uh, and we, but we just can't spend like the whole hour talking about everything that we we learned. But we but we did find out there's a lot of this. You know, a few a few stories like this where it's like, oh, I really like where I'm at and I like where I'm what I'm doing. But he's telling a story beforehand about the UK where they just basically fucking got rid of his job. So that's like, it's not that that's not everywhere. Yeah. That seems to be yeah. the case in most yeah. of the world. So, yeah. yeah. We want to thank Dave Warnock for joining us today. He was a wonderful guest. We learned quite a bit about his disease and also about just uh, about what it's like to be an evangelical. And he was able to speak in tongues for us and that has changed our life. It was the great it was, it was the, the greatest moment think, of this podcast. I think this podcast has peaked. Everything else now is jumping the shark. <laughs> so we want to thank Dave for coming on. We're going to put guy. a link to his Facebook on this week's show notes if you want to check it out. It's this is episode 483. That's going to wrap it up. Be sure to mark your calendars August 25th. You're going to want to join us. It's the it's uh this upcoming Sunday. Yes indeed. And uh you're going to want to join us. It's going to be great. But uh we're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. 
couched in scientician double bubble toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative acupunctuating pressurized stereogram pyramidal free energy healing water downward spiral brain dead pan sales pitch late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose Your Signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.